This is a Business as Mission podcast. Business as Mission. I'm Gaya Boyd, your host. So I began to see it as this dynamic activity that was unfolding all the time. And I had an option to become a player in this activity if I would learn how does it work. Welcome to our podcast series where we explore kingdom keys for business, life and work. I'll do that together with Bill Job. Bill lived 30 years in China where he witnessed God's presence tangibly in the business. You will hear some captivating stories. Bill discovered kingdom keys, but both of us are eager to learn more. So we will invite guests from around the world, men and women who are also hungry to experience God move in the workspace. What are their stories? How do they see God move? God is at work in the marketplace and we believe God desires to partner with us way more than we ever thought possible. Do you share this belief, this desire? If so, visit bearmoves.com for a course on kingdom mindsets for business, life and work. May these conversations inspire you to connect deeper with God in your business, in your daily working life. Thank you for joining us today in this podcast. Today we have with us Colin Crawley. Um, well, you flew in from the United States, but you're originally from England and somewhere grew up somewhere in the East, I understood. Uh, it's good to have you uh, here, uh, Colin. Welcome. And Bill, thank you for being my co-host again. And I expect some really difficult questions from you, Bill. So prepare. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to be here. Thank you. Colin, tell us, um, you are involved with Business's Mission. What is your involvement? Well, I've been involved with Business's Mission since 2005, both starting and running businesses. But right now, what I do is I serve as a consultant for Christian-owned or run businesses that want to see gospel advancement facilitated in measurable ways. So I help deliver that for Christian-owned or run businesses. I'm also involved with the Lion's Den conference. What is the Lion's Den? The Lion's Den was really a pioneer in Christian pitch, uh, pitching for investment from Christian investors, sort of like a Shark Tank TV show in the US or Dragon's Den in the UK. I'm not sure what the Dutch version is. But uh, And so companies apply, and if they're selected, they get to present in front of a panel of investors and they often receive investment sometimes into the millions of dollars for kingdom-minded enterprises. So I'm on, the, I'm on the investment committee for that and I also help with uh, identifying the spiritual potential, the potential of delivering mission through the business and I coach the entrepreneurs on, on what they could do differently to be even more effective. So you look at both the business side, the, the profit, and the kingdom advancement, like you say it very nicely. Oh, you're very kind. Yeah, I think there's not very many people who can help Christian business leaders understand how do you deliver what in, in the BAM world we call the spiritual bottom line, meaning like how do you help people around your business come to know Jesus in effective ways? And how do you know if you're doing it in, the most, in, in a way that's productive? How do you know if you're doing it or failing? That's what I help people do. I, I can do the financial stuff too. I just frankly find that a little bit easier than the spiritual stuff. So there's other people who can do that bit 
mm-hmm. even better than me. So how, how come you came involved with measuring this? What, what motivates you? Well, I have a science degree. Oh, and so for is me, that your motivation, the science? Well, I think it did train me to expect that, you know, in science, you know, measuring helps even if you get a null result. Like a, bad, a null result in science is still a good result. Like it teaches you something. And then I was in missions for a long time. And I feel like in missions, there tends to be, a, 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 and I, I would consider myself a mystic. Like I, I love on my personal relationship with the Trinity. I love to go into the mystical side of that faith. But sometimes it feels like in the movement, mysticism is used as an excuse to not do. To not measure. To, to not measure, yeah. And so I feel sounds. Yeah, I don't. I've been advised by some more sensitive t- souls than myself that maybe measures the wrong word. It's really more about tracking, tracking what God is doing. So, what do you think about this, Bill? Tracking what God is doing. I resonate with that idea because we often would uh, analyze what was going on in our company, uh, and we weren't very good at planning what we thought we should be doing. But we could often recognize, we would say by looking in the rearview mirror, what God had been doing. And when we looked for it, we could see really distinct things that were happening, but we wouldn't have thought to plan for that. And so we recognize that if we give God a chance to take the wheel, he might take us someplace other than where we would go, but we need to know that something is happening. When I'm around Colin, I get a little bit convicted because I feel like what he's doing is super helpful to the BAM movement in the sense that when we talk about the four bottom lines, my personal experience is that one is more difficult than the others. And I think what Colin is doing is really bringing a good way of evaluating that difficult one, which is really where his heart is about kingdom expansion. So what have you seen, Colin, How do you measure the Spirit's work? So that is a fundamental question that everyone needs to answer. And it's, it's great to bring it out in the open because I think most of us intuitively understand that we don't control the whole process. And so if you're a strategic business thinker, most business leaders, if they understand they can't control all the variables, then they understand there's no point in trying to measure, right? Like it's like, I can't measure. I can only measure failure, not success. So the way we solved that problem is what we realized was, first of all, you have to understand how do people come to know God, right? And one, without going into lots of detail, you know, essentially the Bible talks about that the only people who can come to Jesus are the ones the Father is are drawing, would be the English translation, right? Uh, or the one the Father is attracting to Jesus. And if that's true, a couple things means that one, he's drawing people all the time. And two, you just need to find them. Right. So you don't so, have to to be successful pool people. Yeah, so so what we so what are we responsible for in that equation? We're responsible for an important part of the equation, not the whole equation. So in business terms you could call it leading KPIs versus lagging KPIs. But oh. uh, in just or a more simple way of thinking about it is inputs versus outputs. So We are responsible for the inputs. God is responsible for the outputs. But you can still measure your inputs. So you can measure how many people you talk to. You can measure 
whether they responded to how you talked to them in a positive or negative way. Can you give an example? How, how, how do you do that in a business setting? So in simple terms, you think that a business is touching how many lives every day, right? <laughs> so this, the business drives interactions between the Christians and people who are far from God. So if we know that's true, and we also know that God is always drawing people to himself, we know that some of those people, those Christians are interacting with, are looking for Jesus. So what you can do is you can measure things like interactions, then you can measure things like conversations, and then you do have to provide some training to get to the next stages after that, but you can measure how do we transition those conversations to a spiritually curious conversation. You, you are doing it, right, with some businesses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How does it look like? Well, for instance, I'm doing it with a real estate com company. They buy up properties where people live. And so the target of this particular program is to reach as many of the residents in the properties with, with the message of Jesus as we can, and then whoever responds to move them towards discipleship and followerships of Jesus. So the way it looks is we create what we call connect strategies. So we create social events. It might be anything from... And we is... Uh, so I, I run the team with someone else uh, called Randall Wilson. And we together have recruited and trained up a team of about, I think it's up to 38 people now who live in the different properties. That and how have. many people live in that So we area? try to create teams of between five to eight. And the properties themselves will have hundreds of residents. So, you know, it's five to eight in a community, which in some places the world would be a village, right? Mm -hmm. And so they create uh, what we call connect strategies. So it's usually social events. So it's like pastor in a village. Yeah, although it's not a pastor. I, would, I, I resist those analogies because I want them to be business people. Now, what you find is if you do gospel advancement in a business, it's good for the business. It, you know, we tend to think people who fear doing this, they always seem to imagine it's going to be someone like me rolling up with a loudspeaker in the middle of all their custom paying customers saying, by the way, do you know you're all going to hell? That, that's not how we do it. So in, in the residential market that we're in, you know, the biggest cost to that business is turnover, right? So, you know, if you have vacancies or people leaving, you have to redo the apartments and stuff like that. So when we create these social events, just by creating the social events, we're making it a nicer place to live, right? Even if we do no spiritual impact. But then as people come to know Jesus, they are transformed. They make friends with people that, that now they don't want to leave. So now your vacancy rate goes down. You have seen that happen. Well, this is a longstanding fact known in the industry. There's another a group that does this called Apartment Life. And we're really standing on their shoulders. We've, we've just tried to add an extra few layers. But basically, they've got all this data from 20 plus years over. And you measure it. Yeah, well, we are definitely measuring the revenue and the profit of the projects. And we also have, we can benchmark it against projects that do not have our program. So you have a bookkeeping of, okay, this is yeah, so much profit. And you have a bookkeeping of, today I talked with so many people. Yes, so I, yeah. I so, try to imagine right. it. Well, obviously, so in, our, in this particular example, there's a business unit and there's the spiritual unit. I run the spiritual unit with Randall. And so we measure all sorts of KPIs uh, for the spiritual thing. So, for instance, we measure key, KPI? uh, key performance indicators. Sorry. Um, yeah, thank you. So our, our leading KPIs, we ask people to measure every time 
is um, we ask them every time they interact with a resident, we want them to send that data in. And we have a, what we use is we just use a form on their phone and they can, so we actually get every, every interaction we get a data point for. And then if you talk, have a conversation, we, we measure that. And if we move to a spiritual conversation, we measure that. And they, and they are okay with that. Who's they? The people the, that you are working with, that you're recruiting to do this. Yeah, well, it's part of the job description, so oh. they have to be okay with it. Or, get, oh, um, it's, or as, it's all or as, kind or of as new Bill to me, says so. in his factories, you don't get to be here anymore. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so they, they, they're, they're fully aware of how the project works before they sign up. And for them, they, we subsidize their housing. So the, the, the people, first of all, they get training on how to do effective outreach and they uh, which they would be difficult for them to get anywhere else but they also get to live in probably a nicer place than they could afford themselves so everybody wins in this situation it's it's interesting but it's it's kind of new to me it's is it new to well you you've been around Colin you know each other a bit longer when you hear this bill what are your thoughts Actually, I had a chance to invest in one of these projects and decided that that made a lot of sense to me So in my thinking that there is real value that comes out of this approach. So it's a typical business operation, but it has an intentional spiritual component to it. And I thought, well, I would rather invest in that than one that doesn't have one. And so I've been able to kind of see this as it's developed, but it was more, it was newer when I first got involved with it. And so it's really good to hear the progress that's occurred in the last year or two uh, since the this plan has really been put to, put into place. What do you see happening, uh, Colin, you know, from this well, approach? Well, first of all, let's be clear. This is a significant investment, right, that's giving significant returns. So there's a lot of incredible missions where I'm going to go into in a second, but I want to make sure that everyone understands this. No, nobody's losing money to see the kingdom go. You know, th this project will produce returns of almost 20% a year. Meaning, people, can I invest? If you have a quarter of a million dollars, you can invest. Oh, so, <laughs> I don't um, have that one. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, that's one of the situations. But um, so, so the investors like Bill will that investment will more than double over the course of this project. And so, so that's we need to make sure that everyone understands that this is a real, significant, investment-worthy project. What we've seen is, let me, let me just tell you some stories, okay, some examples of it. But we have seen in the last year, year and a half, two years, we've seen 45 people come to Christ. But they're, they're, they're really transformative. They're not like people like me who, who, you know, grew up in the church and maybe I'm going to take my faith more seriously there. The stories, I'll change the names for the podcast, but let, let's tell, I'll tell you a story about Deanna, okay? I was down on one of our properties And we were out uh, prayer walking, just walking around. And I met Deanna and I started talking to her. She was a young African-American lady, two kids, unmarried. And uh, she started and she was going to be evicted. And now in America, if you get evicted from one of these communities, you're in big trouble because it'd be unlikely for you to be able to get no one else will either accept you, right? So, so we talked for 45 minutes. She told me she didn't, wasn't close to God. Her grandmother was very uh, prayerful. And she told me a long story about her. The reason she was not going to be able to stay was because she had a criminal record. Now, some criminal records, it's fine, and some are not. And, and so I thought her criminal record would be fine. And I thought to myself, I will just talk to the manager, and we'll get this straightened out. 
So we talk to the manager. Manager says, nothing I can do. There's, there's too bad what she did. So I thought, well, I'm just going to leave that with God. And I went back to my city and didn't even think about it. A couple of weeks later, I get a text from the team leader saying, hey, uh, Deanna just really wanted to thank you for praying with her that day about being evicted because she's now been allowed to stay. I'm like, what? What's going on? Well, it turns out God wanted her so badly to stay, he got that manager fired and hired a new manager. New manager let them stay, okay? Now, that manager had been there two years. I knew that manager for a while. Now, the thing was, uh, so I said to, so I felt the Holy Spirit's prompting and I texted back to the team leader, hey, uh, do you tell Deanna that she needs to take this really seriously because God has answered her prayers? So a week goes by, I get another text. Just wanted you to know that Deanna committed her life to Christ last week. A week later, I get a photo. She's being baptized in the ocean with her two kids. A week later, I hear her, her, her fiancé, who she lives with, has now committed his life to Christ. And then a couple weeks later, she comes to our team member and says, I've been on drugs for six years and I need to get clean. Will you help me get clean? So our team members drove her for two hours to the nearest place she could come off drugs. It was a 30-day program. She took a Bible in with her and she, was so, she, had, she recovered so quickly they let her out after 15 days. So, so this, for me, is a, an example that the gospel tr- isn't just about getting people to heaven. It transforms lives here and now. And this is the power that can happen. And this is just one story of 45 stories we have over the last year and a half of people coming to know Jesus. And this is what we want to see all over the world. So people can hire you, business people listening, to think through how can I get more gospel advancement? Yeah, I mean, um, I am so sympathetic to Christian uh, business leaders and owners who, are, who have always wanted to see more happen for, for Jesus through their business and have no idea how. And so that's really where I pivoted to start helping those types of people because the reality is, where can you go? Where can you go to learn how to do this? You know, there's not a lot of books out there. Your pastor certainly cannot help you and even a missionary would be tricky for them to help you. So, so what I do is I help people do it. But I, you know, usually I take on, you know, I'll, I'll talk to anyone, but I, I usually take on clients who want to do it on a full scale for, for the long haul. Um, and that's what I'm doing with this real estate project. So you do it with a real estate, you do it with other businesses. What can... All businesses can do this, in my opinion. So so the first stage is what I do is I actually do a diagnostic. The first thing is I do is we negotiate just a f- upfront fee for me to do a diagnostic. And the diagnostic is what to evaluate what I call your missional potential. Every business has a different level of potential for mission. So it, it, it helps everybody if we identify what that is realistically Almost always it's more than you would think, but in some cases it's less than you would think. So I, I worked with a software company uh, for a while in the U.S. Now these were wonderful Christian people. They did incredible discipleship with their own team, but a small team, you know, under 10, 15 people. And when you start realizing that these are just some very computer type people, I'm going to leave it there, and they all they do is work on computers all day, well, there's just not a lot of places for the gospel to go in that scenario. It's sort of like, well, you can actually, what we learned is they had a, a social media following of 30,000 people because of the stuff that they created. So that was where the real opportunity was. But outside of that, that would be an example of a business with very little potential. Um, and I learned this in South Africa because we had some businesses there. One was a data entry business, and that had almost no potential. So we started a bakery 
in the townships and, and within a couple months our staff were in homes of local politicians and and other things just because of the the, the bakery business so we do that evaluation first and then we can talk about how to implement what's possible after that hmm. so have you ever hired uh, colin uh, bill <laughs> no I'm, i'm convicted i think i need to Because we had history with one company where much of this was happening, what I would say is kind of organically. We were just really being taken through these many similar processes, but it was by the Holy Spirit. But another company I have now has I almost mean, none of this. That's what, you, what I hear. It's by the Holy Spirit. But let me mention something about two companies in comparison. In the first company, there was a gifted evangelist, a local person. And we gave them a safe environment, and it really just worked. In the second company, we do not have that person, a gifted evangelist, on the team, and it's not happening. And so this is really convicting me, thinking, well, we don't even have a plan for that to happen. Well, I, I also want to give Bill much more credit than he's taking right now, which is actually Bill was one of the people who helped fund me initially to help companies do this for free for them. So. Some of the companies I'm telling stories of today are companies I worked with because Bill funded was one of the people who funded that work. And what we learned in that process was if the company isn't paying for it, then chances are they will not implement. So we had to shift the model. But but certainly Bill helped transform some other people's companies with his generosity. Well, I'm so. learning something about my co-host. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think in one of the podcasts, we, we talk, for example, with, with Harmon, where we talk about the, he called it the fivefold giftings, which is very churchy, but it's, you know, APEST? an administration. It's the... Is that APEST? The, the apostle prof. prof. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. Yeah. yeah the, um, so those kind of, in a business setting, the administrator, the more the teacher, more the the pastoral, you know, the the human resource person. That's what I learned a little bit with your story. It seemed like, you know, this one time when you were with half a year, you had 80% of the 200 people come to Christ. And, you know, more talking it through, there was maybe not consciously, but there was a strategy. You know, you did take people into your homes. You, uh, you know, there was a team being built. There was this different giftings being in place. Isn't, isn't that right? That you kind of saw, hey, which can be of help for our listeners. It was actually really fascinating when we looked back on it to see what happened because there was a, a man who was a gifted evangelist and then a man who was just a gifted pastor. He was the HR manager. And at that time, we were praying for everyone in the company by name every day, just asking God to bless them. And these two people got together, the evangelist and the pastor. And often they kind of rub each other the wrong way. They don't necessarily work together really well. They decided to take to dinner on every Friday night between three and five or six people in the company. And they started doing that. Every week, someone came to the Lord because the evangelist was just evangelizing. He was just doing what kind of came easily and naturally to him. But what was really beautiful was the pastor was there to catch them. And so at the same dinner, that pastoral relationship now was introduced. And so the people were really well cared for after they be accepted this the invitation to know Jesus and to become a believer and a follower. 
But one other thing that we experienced, and I just love this about what Colin was saying, is that it was in the context of a factory dynamic. It's almost like a factory family. And so when they know Christ in that context, it's embedded in the daily activity. It's embedded in all the relationships. They all have this new look to it because of this common factor of knowing Christ. And it just rippled through the whole organization. And so like the story of Diana, Deanna, that you just shared, her life is now gonna be, her definition of Christianity is gonna be defined in a much richer way because of the experience that she had in multiple ways of being touched by the Lord. And then when she shares the gospel, it's gonna actually be much richer than someone just reading the four spiritual laws, for instance, because she's gonna be speaking out of her life experience in a context of other people that are still there as well. So here, Colin says, it's profitable for the, you know, the profit increases. Yeah. So did you see your sales car go up and your production line increase? Oh, yeah. In our factories, yeah, that definitely did. We could measure it. We began thinking we'd pay a price to do this. But in the end, we didn't. We got one customer who why, was... Why did you think you would pay a price? Good question, Gaia. We thought that it would be countercultural that introducing or taking the gospel seriously was going to rub up against the normal culture of the world that we lived in. And the normal culture was going to smack you down, was going to make you pay a price that is, we're going to be rejected by some people for maybe mm, being just, weird. It could be the Dutch culture. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going there. <laughs> but for instance, we had one customer, not a believer. You were in China, right? Yeah, in China, in China mm-hmm. that time. Yeah. But we had one U.S. customer. And uh, they supplied uh, uh, maybe five or six years worth of work for us just because we were doing her production out in a village 12 hours out in the countryside to be really caring, you know, tried to care for this community that had no work. And she really loved that whole idea. And she wasn't a believer. Well, we had in this other podcast with Harmon, he, you know, is in a Dutch context not very Christian, but also the politician, they all go like, yeah, well, we can't deny this is a, this is a place where life happens. Yeah, I, I really like the idea that Christianity makes people more human. And I really like the idea that the gospel is about making the world the place it was always meant to be. And I think those are terms that it doesn't matter whether you're cl- near or far from God, they're appealing And so I think that's why it helps your business. And that's why I think you can consider messaging in a way. So part of the art of implementation, this is why I help people, is there's sometimes it's choosing the right language is what helps people to adopt adopt things. But at the end of the day, the gospel is not just good, it's great. And so if you can figure out how to explain it in a way that people can accept, then your business gets stronger, people get treated better, your workers are treated better, your customers are treated better. Well, all of that leads to profit. So for me, that's how it all works. Well, a whole other question. It's more, you know, we're working on this uh, course, uh, Thriving Admits Adversities, and we are asking the people we are interviewing, have you ever gone through some difficulties or 
Are there some advice you would like to give for our course or for our listeners? Yeah, well, I would hope everybody who's lived long enough has gone through some degree of adversity. Um, yeah, I, th I think that the way I would want to answer the question is there's sort of a temptation and there's a solution. Whenever you go through trauma, and certainly I've gone through quite a bit of trauma in the last few years, the temptation is to make it all about you and to make the focus on you and how you've been wronged or how hard it is for you. And You are the victim. Yeah, it's it's partly victim, but partly justified victim, right? Like it's the, just because you're a victim, if you're feeling like a victim doesn't mean it's not true. But for me, the solution was always to move into other focused ministry. So for me, it's about how can I learn to serve others? And when I've been able to do that, it takes away the view of victimhood to somebody who's making a difference. So for me, I think... Like the pandemic was very difficult for me because we were in England at the time. And in England, I'm sure it's probably similar here in the Netherlands, that everything shut. Like you were not allowed to leave your house unless you were going to a doctor or a supermarket and you would get ticketed if you did that. I mean, when I tell Americans that McDonald's closed in the pandemic, they were shocked, you know. I mean, so, you know, it was one of those times where I had everything I needed. I was comfortable. I had a nice house. I, I was not hurting for funding. And, you know, as you sort of imagine when you're working, that's what retirement looks like, right? Sitting around a comfortable house with nothing to do sounds like heaven. And I was like, this, this is terrible. And so I realized, you know, before the pandemic, I think I thought I was sort of a sacrifice, sacrificial minister of the Lord, and that really everybody owed me. And after that, I was like, no, I get to serve. So for me, I think finding ways, you know, creative and healthy outlets to serve others is a way to take the focus off you and onto others and to God, like people like Deanna. And that's very life-giving, and that's what can help you get through adversity. Thank you. We are getting to a close. Um, is there something, Bill, you like to some thoughts that you are like, hey, this is something I really got out of this podcast or this talk with uh, Colin. I am thinking seriously about my other company in China where we did not have that kind of organic growth and wondering what can we do now. I'll be able to go back and visit hopefully in January and I'd like to be able to take more of a plan back and questions and begin to have this dialogue with the team there. But the other thing I would like for our audience to know is how can they get a hold of Colin? Is there some website, some email, some phone number that people who are interested, we have a chance here to plug your, yes. <laughs> your work. We don't want to miss that. You're kind. Well, hopefully you have show notes and you can put a link in that. Yes. But my, I do have a consultancy company. The trouble is it breaks all the branding rules, so nobody can remember the name. But really, the Lord gave me the name. So I'm, I'm confident it's the right name for the company. It's actually, uh, so I grew up in Hong Kong. And the, the flower, the Bauhinia flower is the national flower of Hong Kong. And uh, the interesting thing about the Bauhinia is it cannot self-propagate. Every Bauhinia flower can only propagate if you graft it onto rootstock. And so if you look at any Bauhinia tree in the world, you can trace it back to the same original tree that's in the botanical gardens in Hong Kong. That is, a, that is a nice picture. Well, for me, it's a metaphor of what we do. It's like the rootstock of the company. We graft on this, the flower of the gospel. And so, you know, our tagline is we bring the beautiful growth, you know. But it, my uh, website is Bauhinia Consulting. 
com, but it's Bauhinia is B-A-U-H-I-N-I-A. So that's the trouble. Will, nobody can remember that name. <laughs> we will put a link in the text with that. You're very kind. And um, is there some a thought that you are like, hey, this is really the main thing I would like the listeners to remember? I just want people to understand that, you know, I just told one story about Deanna and how life-changing that was, not just for her, but everyone who knew her, right? Like all the people who lived around her, all her family, all her friends, they're going to see this lady whose life's totally transformed because Jesus shows up. And what I want people to understand is that can happen all the time in your business. It really can. And Bill's seen it, and I've seen it, and we just want people to feel like it is possible in your business too. You just have to be committed and intentional. Well, thank you. You inspired me. You're very kind. Thank you. Uh, I've loved being on the show. Yes. Well, thank you, Bill. It was a good time again. Thank you for allowing me to, to be here, Gay, and thank you, Colin. It's been a real delight. This was Gay Accords from the Netherlands. Remember to visit benmoves.com and check out the course on Kingdom Mindsets for business, life, and work. And in two weeks' time, we will be back with another episode. Follow us in your favorite podcast app so you won't miss the next one.